the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3 today, we do so as we do most Mondays with Brandon J. Weikert, a senior editor at the smart website 1945.com, author of several books, most recently Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, which I see is sitting at number five in books on communism and socialism. Well done, Brandon. It was at number one all weekend. Thank you. Well, well done. Well done. I'm glad that I'm glad that they even have a sick a section on communism and socialism. That, I was that's pretty a surprised by that myself. Yeah, I'm happily surprised. Yeah, I'm I'm actually clicking it now. It looks like we're doing okay with it. Number one yeah. is Mark Love Levin. <laughs> number two is Jesse Kelly. Number three is Karl Marx. Number four is someone I've never heard of. You're one away from Karl Marx. <laughs> well, like I said, I was number one for all weekend. I was ahead of Karl Marx. Uh huh. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. And I uh, would like to just say that that was also uh, very kind of the Steve Bannon audience. He had me on over the weekend. Oh yeah, and they've really come through for me. That audience. Oh that yeah. Audience. Oh yeah. So, that's a that's a that's a powerful podcast. I believe. Very smart audience. Too. You're you're in Florida. I am. Are things okay there? Because I read a travel advisory today from the NAACP. Oh, that was the best thing they could have done. Well, I mean, it says beware your life is not valued. Are th- I mean, are, are, are things okay for, for minorities? In well, um, I mean, if you are a California liberal, we don't want you. But yes. if you are... Uh, if you're a red, you know, red rib, you know, red blooded American, and you want to come and live in pure freedom and paradise, we welcome you with open arms. But but I'm reading that there's an attempt to erase Black history. Yeah, no, that's definitely not the case. Okay, uh, they are getting rid of uh, lessons that were recently they attempted to impose with the AP African American Studies, which basically was teaching cultural Marxism in the form of African-American studies. Um, we teach African-American, as you know, I've taught history in this state. We teach African-American history as part of this, the mandated state test uh, to high schoolers, uh, as well as to freshmen in Florida colleges. And so plenty of Floridians, every Floridian student gets a very good dose of African-American history. We just don't teach communism to our kids. You know, it's a funny thing that the NAACP would do this because uh, when they were founded in 1911, they said they were founding themselves to promote equality among the citizens of the United States. And when you look at this critical race theory stuff that they seem to want to support, it's all about the point that skin color and race actually matters. And right. I, it, it's, it's such a weird 180 yeah. It's almost as if freedom were slavery and ignorance were strength. Well, well, and for sure, as you know, uh, the all real aim of cultural Marxism is to silently co-opt and annex all of our institutions while we are not paying attention uh, in order to reshape perceptions and opinions 
of unsuspecting Americans, not just in a few years, but over the course of multiple generations, which is precisely what has transpired since the turn of the 20th century, when you had the, the rise of, of this cultural Marxist movement piggybacking on the progressive movement. Uh, and that's what we're seeing today, is that, that these, these lessons and these institutions that are teaching these lessons have been warped and bent by the radical neo-Marxists. Uh, and they now teach our kids the exact opposite of what they're supposed to be teaching. It's it's odd too because originally when these uh, when conservatives started waking up to this, all you could hear was, "We don't teach critical race theory. We don't right. teach critical race theory." Right now, now they're right. boycotting the state because it doesn't teach. It won't well, any longer teach. We, we, don't, we don't want them here anyway. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't I want get, the cultural Marxism. I, yeah, so I, I think I get it's it. the best thing that they could have done. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I just uh, it blows me away that an organization oh, yeah. dedicated to the point that race should not determine thought has now come around to the Nuremberg Laws. It, yeah. That's, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. Your race, is your race, is. Your race determines very, how you think and what you think. That's, yep, and it's a very, very scary and it, dangerous. It's, it's frightening as hell. Yeah. It's yeah. frightening as yeah. hell. All right, brother, there's so much to talk about, also scary stuff. Uh, the the Asia trip, uh, the, the, the G7 trip uh, Joe Biden <laughs> just came back from, New York Times has a headline. He sees a thaw, a coming thaw with China, but it will take some time. How did he do over there? Your sense? No, oh, shambolic. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, as as always. I mean, it's pretty pretty par for the course with him. The media says it was wonderful. It was, you know, uh, you know, professionally managed. No, no problems, no drama. Uh, he was. He looked like a clown falling down the stairs groping the Japanese prime minister's wife from behind. That was another one that was just amazing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's grabbing her underneath the arm and pulling him toward her as, as she's walking in front of her. I mean, really weird things. Uh, he looks, uh, you know, like I said to you before, we're dealing with a family member of ours down here who has Alzheimer's. Yeah. He looks in the face. It's the same look. He's yeah. confused. He doesn't yeah. know where he is. His gait is strange. He shuffles his feet even yeah. on flat ground. Uh, this is not a guy who's with it. And his comments about the policy comments, two of them, the first about the coming thaw with China and his decision, apparently the reversal of his original decision to supply F-16 training, and you know it'll eventually be f 16 to the Ukrainians, uh, even with Vladimir Putin threatening nuclear war as he does this, um, you know, I think that we it's very obvious that President Biden, if he's there at all, is merely doing what his handlers want. And in this case, we know the Chinese government for over a decade paid Hunter Biden, and by extension, I believe Joe Biden and the rest of the family, millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the Ukrainians did the same thing with Burisma. Uh, and so I think Joe Biden is serving the interests of his Chinese and Ukrainian handlers very well. You had written on 1945, I think I'm working off memory, I didn't have it right in front of me, but I believe you wrote within the last few days that Joe Biden should be impeached over what they discovered was the relationship uh, that James Comer and others uncovered. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's time. I think that, you know, the Republicans beating around the bush with, you know, oh, we're going to impeach Mayorkas or we're going to impeach, you know, whoever. No, the, the real impeachment articles, this is not just a crazy right-wing thing anymore. 
This needs to be done. They need to initiate impeachment as soon as possible. Um, Joe Biden is a Chinese agent. Joe Biden is 100 percent bought and paid for by the People's Republic of China, probably other governments like Ukraine. Uh, All you need to do is follow the money. Uh, It's not very well hidden anymore either. It's pretty obvious where this money trail begins, who it goes through, and where it ends. Uh, Comer's team has not yet found definitive linkage between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's back pocket. They have determined that pretty much every other member of the Biden family was receiving money specifically from Hunter Biden LLCs that were receiving money from China, which means that every member of the Biden family that's alive was receiving boatloads of money from Chinese state-owned firms. Why? (laughs) We can imagine. He was vice Uh, president. That's the odd thing. Most of this stopped after he left. I mean, there was some that, you know, endowed his institute at uh, Penn, but that was the interesting thing. A lot of this wound down after he left the vice presidency, which I think itself raises its own flags. Well, it's the same reason for why Hillary Clinton was making all the money with the Clinton Global Initiative after she and her husband left office, because the understanding was uh, from the world leaders and from these multinational corporation leaders that, in this case, the Clintons were going to run for president and that it was assumed they would win. Well, similarly, the Bidens, Hunter or somebody repping the Bidens, were implying to these world leaders and these world business people that, hey, if you give us this money, my dad's going to be, you know, the president one day, and he will return the favor uh, to you if you give us this money now. He'll, he'll, he'll grease the wheels when he's eventually in office for you and your business and your, and your country. And that's how this works, and that's what's going on. The real Manchurian candidate was never Donald Trump who never took a dime from the Russians. The real Manchurian candidate is the lifelong politician, Democrat Party extraordinaire, Joe Biden, who is, in my opinion, an actual Chinese agent. And I realize that sounds caustic, but I believe he is a 100% Chinese agent. And that is why now he's talking about cooling relations with Beijing and at the same time escalating the conflict against Russia. Because that's China's interest. They want to see us play nice with them while their other big enemy, Russia, dukes it out with us. And their number one and number two enemy, the United States and Russia, weaken themselves, giving Beijing a clear opening for global dominance. Boy, it's an interesting thing. You know, when you say a sentence like that, you know, it has a little bit of a, a little bit of a shock value or an eyebrow raise. But then if you go and Google Trump as a Russian agent, boy, that was just said with profligacy. You know, yep. without the blink of an eye, without a pang of con- yeah, well, and it proved to be. Let me hit a quick break. Brandon Weikert and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest, author of several books, most recently and just out this month, Biohacked, China's Race to control life at the top of a lot of Amazon lists, uh, really very important ones from trade and trade in the economy to socialism and communism. And I want to talk to him about it in a moment. Let me try and get there this way, Brandon. We got special pleading, you and I did. We got special requests from our audience. Yes, we did. Um, And it was that with the uh, impending birth Day celebration, I think later this week, of Henry Kissinger turning 100, we were asked, you and I were asked to have a conversation about the legacy 
of Henry Kissinger. And uh, I thought I'd let you go first, although having spoken a little bit about it with you, I think I think our point of view is close to the same. I'll just state for the record, I was never as much a fan as everyone else. Well, and I think we did say talk about this last week, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and I'll repeat what I said then, is that because he was always a darling of the liberal establishment, yep. Harvard man, Ph.D., he was always a moderate Republican. He was involved with Nelson Rockefeller's failed campaign. Uh, so he was always, on some level, one of the few acceptable Republicans mm-hmm. among the liberal establishment set. Um, he gets a lot of credit for things that Nixon actually did and pioneered. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he is given far more credit. And that's not to say that I hate the man. I don't. I think that he was, you know, one of those very important people in American foreign policy. Uh, and I think that his academic work actually should be required reading on the history of diplomacy mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But in, in terms of being a, a chief diplomat, um, in my opinion, he was very overrated, um, particularly uh First of all, he's given a lot of credit for China opening up to China. That actually was a Nixon initiative that Nixon tasked Kissinger with basically being the point man because Nixon knew that Kissinger was going to be able to get it done. Um, Second of all, I don't think it was the greatest victory in the long run for the United States or a legacy that if I were Kissinger, I'd be proud of was opening America up to China, who now today, because of that action in the 1970s, Today is the second largest economy in the world, likely going to soon be the first largest. And it's also a very real strategic, military, economic challenger to America's dominant role in the world. And there's Kissinger at age 100, having made millions and millions of dollars by doing business in China and exposing the American political elite for three generations now to Chinese influence. There he is urging American leaders today to to make nice with China and to basically pave the way for China's inevitable, as he sees it, ascendance to world superpowerdom at our expense. And so, in my opinion, Kissinger wasn't all bad, but when it came to the biggest issue of our time, China's rise and what we should do about it, uh, Kissinger, I don't believe, will be remembered fondly if the history is written fairly and accurately, which who knows what the state of academia today being. Yeah, I, I mean, it, yes, he was always um, he was always uh, lauded by the media and in large part because he was a great leaker to the media. He would happily yeah. go off the record to the media. He gave them a lot of what they wanted and they had that yeah. symbiotic relationship and he always tried to as I remember the histories of the Nixon White House, tried to set himself apart from the crazies. We saw some of this, I mean, not a perfect analog, but we saw some of this going on with uh, the more unknown people in the Trump administration who would leak and say, but, you you know, we're the ones trying to keep things normalized here. Well, it wasn't, remember, they wrote a whole book that was the New York Times bestseller. Unanonymous, yeah. Supposedly was that DHS, Chief of staff, although I'm still not convinced that it was him. I, I, I think he was a front man for 
someone more powerful. But that's well, whether it was true, whether it was or wasn't, I remember the New York Times when they first published his op-ed said it was someone everyone would know. That they, of yeah. course it was no one anyone knew, and who had ever right. heard of that position before? I mean, I right. guess we all assumed it existed, but I've never met anyone who said they were the chief of staff to the Department of Homeland Security, having, right. having met a lot of people in Washington right. over right. the years, including right. secretaries of, of Homeland Security. Yeah. Uh, I, but but you're right. Yeah, you're it, right that that this is this is very similar. What Kissinger did was very similar yeah. to what many of the supposed adults in the right. room during the Trump administration were doing. Um, and it was to say it wasn't about the country. It was about saving their reputation with that set right. Washington elite because right. they were worried about what their career futures would look like after the terrible president left. And I always thought that there was, there was an uneasiness. Uh, you, you were right to point out he got to start. <clears throat> excuse me, he got to start with Nelson Rockefeller first as a advisor to him when when Nelson Rockefeller was governor, and uh, went over to Nixon from there. But right. always an uneasy relationship with the Reagan right. Um, Absolutely, you know, small things sometimes say big things. Have you ever seen the video footage of Reagan? At the 1976 convention where he lost to Ford but gave that great impromptu speech that lasted about three minutes. and I've seen the speech. Yeah, I, I don't know well, there's, that, a, there's a great video about. of it circulating. You may want to watch it. And, I will. And Edmund Morris, before we knew what a lousy biographer he was, on, on a PBS documentary said, when you were in that room and Reagan finished that three-minute impromptu speech, you kind of got the sense from the audience they were all kind of saying to themselves, we think we just nominated the wrong guy. Yeah. But anyway, when yeah. you're watching that, the camera turns to Henry Kissinger while Reagan's speaking. Yeah. And all he's doing is jawboning with his wife. He had no interest in what Reagan was yeah. saying. Everyone else is rapt Whoa. attention to Reagan. Henry Kissinger yeah. is probably mocking him to his wife. Probably. Well, and Kissinger was an elitist extraordinarily. Yeah. He was the definite. He used to refer to, you know, he used to refer to American you know, soldiers as um, he called them pawns on the. He used to refer to them derisively as like pawns on the chessboard. They were expendable. Right? Yeah. He he was a very very cold cold person. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's part of his heritage. He's not from America, and I think he kept a lot of that old world mentality. That's part of his education. Uh, he went to some of the best schools. He's an extremely well-educated man. Um, but when you're that well-educated, you have to be careful to not lose your humanity. And unfortunately, between the education, where he's from, and also the jobs he had out after school, he was very insulated from the rest of humanity. He lost, I think, something of that humanity. Yeah. Um, and I think that also made him somewhat dangerous uh, to the American people, because he... He looked down on the people he was supposed to be protecting and representing, and he looked. He 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 used the government as a method or means of self promotion, yeah. which is what so many people do. But it's not the right thing, and that's not how it's supposed to be. It's and not even when it, not in not even in the service of the right thing. I mean, if he self promoted right. himself to save Taiwan, that would be one thing. He didn't. He did it in the service of getting us well, Maoist that, that China's normalcy. His, his, yeah. His and what yeah. Believe, yeah, which was that great state great powers, power. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The really the really the modern era's founder of real politique in some respects. He definitely, is. yeah, yes. yeah. Let me come back with more with Brandon Weikert. I am Seth. Let's talk a little domestic politics. I am Seth okay. Leibson. He is Brandon Weikert, author of Biohacked: China's Race to Control Life. Author of other books too, like Winning Space in the Shadow War. But this just out, and I want to talk about what we should learn from Biohacked when we come right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is my guest. That's an old TV theme song, Brandon, from WKRP <laughs> in Cincinnati. You ever see it? It's an old seven, it, it, late seventies, no, you know early eighties show. Yeah. It reminds me of something that would have played at the beginning of Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Well, a, a show about <laughs> television. Yeah, there's a lot of sitcoms. It turns out when you think about it. Um, emphasize uh, highlighting talk radio. There's a lot of talk radio sitcoms. Well, there was that uh, '90s show, News Radio. News Radio. Also, um, what was it? Aaron Sorkin wasn't about news radio, but it was about sports TV. Yes, uh, that's uh, right. Was it News Night or something like that? And what, and wasn't it Arliss also about? Uh, yes, and, uh, and let then, us let us not forget. Uh, there was a show called Hello Larry, and let me give you the big, the big, the big Kahuna. Frasier. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, besides what was certainly, I think, the best of the ones to be listed, but my other favorite one was the Larry Sanders show. Yes, yes. Love, love that. That show yeah. is, is such a gem. It's funny to go back and watch it and see a lot of the very famous people who are very famous comedians oh, yeah. now who were just kind of at best oh, yeah. B actors on that show, you know? Well, Don Favreau was yeah. one of them. Yep. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Brandon, uh, you did a big interview with um, with the War Room on Biohacks, yeah. China's, China's Race to Control. What did you say over there that you would rep- repeat as having great purchase over there that you would repeat for our audience here? What was what was one of the things that had Steve most energized by you in your book? Well, Steve really fixated on the subtitle of the book, yep. which was China's Race to Control Life. Okay. And I was actually just speaking, actually I was speaking with Naomi Wolf's husband this afternoon. Um, and she Shipley was or something on, like that? What's Sh- uh, Brian. Oh, okay. Uh, Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and uh, he um, former New York he, Times guy, right? No, no, no. That's the ex-husband. No. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Uh, but, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, okay, sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> but but he he was also fixated on that. Uh, he figures he was really fixated. I said, yeah. And so, just for your audience as well, since I'm batting three for zero, I I'll, I'll I'll say that Bannon was really focused like a laser on the idea that China and by extension Western elites who are funding and supporting. Chinese biotech, that China is really fixated on controlling the building blocks of biological life in the world. Mm -hmm. And that is being done through the the development and use of CRISPR-Cas9, which is how we, uh, that's the technology we use to map the human genome and that we use for gene editing. China wants to use it for gene doping, which is going into the DNA and adding augmented uh, genetic splices to make somebody faster, smarter, whatever. Not just curing them of a possible disease, but taking a healthy person and making them better. And there's an ideological component as well, because the, the Chinese, like the Soviets in the previous century, the Chinese want to create the perfect communist man, not just through ideological training, but through genetic and scientific manipulation. And so that was something that Steve was really, even more so than the bioweapons feature uh, of the book, which obviously the book is heavily, because I'm a national security guy, the, the, the book is heavily focused on that aspect. But I also, in the book, spend a lot of time talking about this sort of reprogramming humanity using CRISPR-Cas9. And that's what Steve wanted to talk about. So what I would tell your audience, that's what uh, Naomi's husband today wanted to talk about as well. So what I will, what I will tell your your audience is that this is something that we should be very more keenly aware of than we are 
which is that not just China's doing it, but that Western pharmaceutical companies, Western investment people, and Western scientists are partnering with Chinese firms, government-owned firms in China that are actually front groups for China's military. They're partnering with them to basically re-engineer the human species in their image. Mm -hmm. Now, it's very rudimentary now. It's not like we're going to have the wrath of Khan tomorrow. But that is where this is potentially heading, and that is certainly where all of these different groups want to take us. And for the Chinese, it's not just about getting a cool new product they can make money off of. That's what it is for the Americans who are supporting this. What the Americans supporting this don't realize that is that China's taking all of that stuff we're working with them on and giving them, and they're using it and folding it into a covert bioweapons program that they are going to use directly against the United States to defeat us. Because the Chinese, unlike our elite, the Chinese elite are fiercely nationalistic and fiercely imperialistic. And so they want to use all the stuff we're sharing with them not to make cures, not to make life better for humanity, but to beat the Americans with and then to supplant the Americans as the dominant power and create a Chinese Communist Party global order that is authoritarian, totalitarian, and evil, basically. And that's that's something that I would want your audience to L- Let me with. pick up on that. Let me take a quick break. This was a short segment. We'll have a longer one coming right up. Brandon Weikert, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. We'll be right back. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He spells his last name W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. His most recent book just out this month, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. In the previous uh, segment, Brandon, you were talking about um, what's the good word for this? Uh, You said imperial. That's a pretty good one. Uh, Universalistic goals uh, by China, um, exporting uh, Chinese communism to the rest of the world um, at, at, at at every level. A lot of us started waking up to the depredations and expansionist, the internal depredations and the external uh, expansionist um, motives and, and methods of China. A lot of us did in the early 2000s for some reason or other. I don't know why it took us that long, but I just remember a lot of a lot of us came to our awareness back then. And one of the things that, you know, most piqued my interest was what I was reading about human rights in China. And, of course, now everyone knows or almost everyone knows, or if they don't, they should know about the story of the Uyghurs in the Shenzhen province. But I remember a lot of stories about um, their internal torture, their internal police, the surveillance system. I remember stories about uh, using human body parts and being involved in the uh, in, in, in the sale of human body parts uh, for political from political prisoners. Uh, there were these museum exhibits of the human body that looked that people had said things about. They 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 were actually humans that that the Chinese government have killed. How bad is the the Chinese view of human life? How bad are their human rights in your estimation? Um, they're the worst. They're among the worst in the world. The only one that might be worse is North Korea, but okay. of course, North Korea is tied to China at the hip anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, it's they, terrible. And actually, the biotechnology program factors heavily yeah. That's into what their made me human think rights. Of it. Yeah. yeah, because as I said to Stephen, as it's written in, in my book, Biohack, um, 
the first thing the millions of uh, Muslim ethnic Turks known as the Uyghurs are made to do when they are put into these concentration camps, they are forced to give over um, a multitude of genetic samples. Mm-hmm. The most important men are, you know, semen samples, urine samples, um, mucus samples from the nose, um, um, uh, swabs of the saliva, blood samples, lots of blood, skin samples, uh, hair samples. All of that is then sent back to Beijing, and it is put into a gigantic genetic database that the Beijing Genomics Institute has been building on pretty much every person in the world. Artificial intelligence is then employed to sift through that data quickly and collate it. And the reason that they're doing this is because they want to be able to not only have a a very effective means of creating cures for possible diseases, but they want to also be able to use that information, particularly on groups and individuals that they do not like, like the Uyghurs, uh, they want to be able to use that information to conduct what the Chinese head of the, the their bioweapons bio program in 2019 called specific genetic attacks. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to use CRISPR-Cas9, and they're going to use all that data they aggregated on the Uyghurs, for example, and they're going to look for things, medical issues that afflict only the Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. And rather than doing what the Nazis did, which was spend years gassing and shooting and and killing the Jews the way they did, to kill the Uyghurs, they're just going to create one simple strain uh, of some disease that they're susceptible to as a subgroup of people genetically. They will, they will expose those people to that disease, and it will kill only that group of undesirables. Mm. Mm. Uh, as you were reciting this, yeah, you mentioned Nazis. As you were reciting these 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 human experiments, uh, my mind did, you know, it 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 made me think of Joseph Mengele. I mean, it seems like that this is this is the pattern. There is nothing they wouldn't experiment with when it comes to to right. the human code. Well, and it's and it's it has to do, and this is why I also talk a lot about the ideological component yeah. because when you don't believe in a god. And when you believe fully in the perfectibility of man, um, and, and you think that you are chosen uh, the best of the best, and that you therefore have the right to manipulate human beings you know, with science, um, it leads to some pretty horrific things. Mm-hmm. People don't realize the kind of horrors, not just with the Nazis, but throughout history, the kind of horrors that have been committed in the name of scientific enlightenment. And um, that is where the Chinese government is right now. It is the new. It, it is as awful, if not worse, as the Nazis were, as Stalin's, you know, Soviets were. Except it now has, unlike the Nazis or the Soviets, it's fully integrated into the world economy, and it has the unapologetic backing and financial and intellectual support of American elites, both in government and in the private sector, and. That is going to be very difficult to stop because you can't divorce yourself from an entity that your leaders, yeah. your elite, love to do business with. It's yeah. very tough to do, particularly when a guy like Joe Biden, who is, as I said earlier, completely bought and paid for by Beijing, particularly with a guy like that in power. Yeah, no, that's right. It makes it all the more scary. I, I remember some years ago, I have about two and a half minutes left, Brandon. I remember yeah. some years ago uh, listening to Steve say, 
to an audience he, uh, mentioning the Belt and, Belt, Road, Belt and Road Initiative, and he said, if you don't know what the Belt and Road Initiative is, then you need to. You almost don't know anything important. Do you want to say a word about what that is? Well, the Belt and Road Initiative is China's answer to the fact that they're very reliant on importing goods, basic goods from abroad. They know, because most of their imports come from the come across the sea lane, they know that the U.S. Navy is the most powerful Navy in the world. And if really it came down to it, the U.S. Navy could basically cut like 80 to 90 percent of the goods that China needs to survive. We could cut that off with the blockade. And so... China, for the last 10 to 15 years, has been trying to create alternative trade routes that wouldn't the, the U.S. military and Navy specifically wouldn't be able to cut off. So they're creating these land routes, the, the New Silk Road. They're basically going to their neighbors, going to countries in Africa, going to countries in countries like Italy and Greece, and getting them to open up these trading ports to China. And then they're connecting them with these rail lines, connecting them with these uh, uh, sea lanes that they control, and they're forcing them to be dependent on Chinese largesse in the form of generous loans. It's called debt trap diplomacy. You get these countries indebted to you so that they can't ever cut you off. And then in exchange, you get the goods flowing from those countries. And the Americans will have very limited ability to cut you off in the, in the case of a conflict with America. And what that does is that reorients all of Eurasia, the Middle East, and Africa away from the United States through trade and gets them dependent on you in China. Oh, that 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 was that was perfect timing on that, Brandon. Perfect. And it's a perfect book. And let's see if we can get you back Thanks, to number sir. one again. You bet. The book let's is do that. Yeah. The book is Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. The author is Brandon Weichert, W E I C H E R T. Brandon, until next week, Godspeed and thank you, sir. Godspeed. You betcha. Thank you, sir. you betcha. I'm Seth and I'll be back with a final thought. Well, as for our economy, we have a possible recession on the horizon. We have inflation. We have stock market volatility. We have bank failures. So our good friends at Y-Refi have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal. If you need your money back at any time, there are no fees. This is a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. Locally based, Y-Refi is on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I encourage you to stop by their offices. I've been there, and I can tell you, you won't be asked to sign a thing. You won't get a sales pitch. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much, and you can too. A due diligence approved firm, Refi offers an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. Special pleading, if there are any, uh, someone make sure everyone knows, not an emergency in any sense, but if there are any... Um, Police officers who are listening in the Mesa area who want to help me out on an anti-drug initiative, give me a, give my uh, producer a call during show hours or email me uh, through our show's website at 960thepatriot.com, 960thepatriot.com. Police officers in Mesa who want to help me out on an on a anti-drug project, that would be great. Thank you. 
Uh, when I um, am thinking about China and the conversation I just had with Brandon and I'm thinking about my monologue and its issues with regard to the revision of history, I go back to my um, I go back to my monologue of last week where I was talking about uh, a, a review by Pamela Paul in the New York Times talking about modern day China where high school textbooks uh, are now reducing the cultural revolution to just a few short paragraphs. And all the revisionism throughout the Chinese education system is leaving the country, as she wrote, quote, ethically hollow with a numb passivity, an absence of conscience, a sickness of the soul, where the moral decline there is now more of a severe problem in China than poverty or crime. And I couldn't help but think of when I read that, of our own situation of revision of textbooks here. Both the Chinese push to revise and the um, academic, intellectual, pseudo-sophisticated effort here to revise are coming from the same direction towards Marxism, and it's leaving us hollow. It's leaving us ethically compromised. It's leaving us with a problem much greater than poverty or crime. Please resist it. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Until tomorrow, David, thank you. Bill, thank you. I am Seth Liebson. God bless you all. And class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.